sometimes the most foundational elements of a relationship are assumed or forgotten or underappreciated. Sometimes the most beneficial elements of a relationship are passed over with little consideration in the day-to-day. We can think of valuable relationships, our children, marriage, friendships, and too often there are months or even years that pass without thinking about how that relationship was built and what is core for that relationship. The same could be true about our relationship with God. We can assume, we can forget about, we can fail to appreciate the very element that is most foundational to our relationship with God. That God has justified us by faith alone. This morning we continue our our series within a series. We're systematically working our way through Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. Both Jews and Gentiles who were there. This letter declares the undeserved, the unmatched, and the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. There are six divisions that we have, that we have labeled, that we have identified for our, for our major series. The priority of the gospel in the first 17 verses. And now we're on to that second division, the heart of the gospel. And we've divided that section into even three other sections. The righteousness of God is revealed through, through wrath. Because we know that, 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 that God's wrath is against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. The righteousness of God reigns with justice. With God, he shows no partiality. And then the righteousness of God is received by faith. And that's the section that we're addressing as we walk through chapter 4. Chapter 4 is, is what Paul uses to, to highlight justification by faith alone. So here in chapter 4, we have a series about justification by faith alone. And Paul uses Abraham to teach us about this foundational doctrine that's core to our relationship with with our God. We've considered the question of justification by faith alone. Not even Abraham was exempt from being justified by faith alone. Last week, we began considering the blessing of of being justified by faith alone. We talked about how it's completely undeserved. We talked about from verses 7 and 8 how David himself testified of the blessing it is that God counts someone's works apart from their righteousness. And then we saw also um, about how this this cleansing, this justification by faith alone is, is whole because God separates us from our sins. We are counted just as righteous as Jesus. This morning we continue to consider the blessing that it is to be justified by faith alone. Christian, this passage calls you this morning to deepen your worship of God. You're reminded of all that He has done for you. Unbeliever, if you're not yet a a follower of Jesus Christ, as you listen this morning, I encourage you to listen with an open heart to hear the call of God that all He has done for you. Would you please follow along as I begin reading from Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our forefather is pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he is aware of something to boast or to glory, but not before God. For what says the scripture? 
Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned for grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describes the blessedness, the blessing of the man, unto whom God counts righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not impute, count, reckon sin. Cometh this blessing then upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it, was it counted to him? How was it reckoned? When he, was, when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them as well. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Paul wants us to understand the blessing of justification by faith alone confirms our position with God. It fuels our worship of God and it sweetens our pilgrimage toward God. This morning, following up from last week, I'll give you four additional aspects to the blessing of justification by faith alone. First of all, the blessing of availability. Verse number nine says, comes this blessing upon the circumcised only or for the uncircumcised also? After presenting Abraham as the prime example in verses 1 through 3 and presenting the testimony of King David in verses 7 and 8, Paul wants to make absolutely sure that there is no question about it. So we ask this question in verse number 9. Is this blessing that David talks about, about, about God counting someone's uh, works apart from their, for, not counting their sins against them and counting their works apart from their righteousness, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or is it for the uncircumcised also? Is it only for the Jews or is it for the Gentiles also? Remember, he had already addressed this in chapter 3. Jump up to chapter 3 and verse number 28. He says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It is, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not the, the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Paul brings, back to, brings us back to this question at this point to remind his readers that being justified by faith alone is not a blessing that's reserved for the Jews only. God justifies Jews and Gentiles. That's the beauty of the gospel. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Justification by faith alone is for Jew and Gentile. In John's gospel, John chapter 3, verse number 6, we read, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. No matter how good you are, it's not good enough 
to give spiritual life to yourself. You need something outside of you. Friend, you don't have to pass some kind of test. If you are a sinner, and you are, if you are a sinner, you are qualified to be justified by God by faith alone. The availability of justification by faith alone is part of the blessing. This blessing, this blessing of being justified by faith alone, it it confirms our position with God. It, It fuels our worship of God and it sweetens our pilgrimage toward God. So we note the blessing of its availability. Secondly, from this passage, we note the blessing of independence. Can you hear, I mean, Paul writes this letter. He hasn't been there yet. He's, he hopes to stop at Rome on his way to Spain. So he's writing to Rome and he's, he's instructing them. He's giving this treatise on, on the gospel and this great doctrinal work. But can't you hear the, the Jews objecting to Paul as they read this letter? Come on, Paul. We get what you're preaching. But surely Abraham's circumcision played some role in him being justified by faith, being justified by God. Or, or at least, if this is true about justification by faith alone, it must, must at least be reserved for Abraham's descendants, the Jewish descendants. This idea that being made right with God, being accomplished through a, a ritual, through circumcision, uh, is, is, is a commonality uh, among all man-made religions throughout history. One Hindu holy book says that those who bathe in, in the black and the white river will go to heaven. Roman Catholics may teach that repeating certain prayers or committing certain good works will, will yield, gain you favor with God. The works-based systems of man-made religions attempt to persuade people that they can be made right with God and enter into heaven simply by performing specific works, ceremonies. That's not a new idea that Paul introduced or that we experience today. The truth that the apostle has been hammering home in these passages is that justification does not come by our works. And now the apostle goes to a specific works. He's saying justification is independent of our works. And he's, he's going to talk about a specific work, the ritual, the ceremony of circumcision. To make his case, Paul directs his readers to the timing of Abraham's circumcision. So look again at verse number 9. He says, is this blessing for Jews and Gentiles? And then he says, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it counted to Abraham? Was it before or after he was circumcised? He says, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. Why? That he might be the father of them that believe, though they not be circumcised. That righteousness would be counted to them also. Abraham was declared to be righteous way back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. We read, and he believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. It's not until Genesis chapter 17 that we read of Abraham being circumcised. And between those two couple of chapters, there's a 14-year gap. There's a span of 14 years between when Abraham was justified by faith and when he was circumcised. In fact, Abraham was declared a righteous man while he was still a Gentile. 
And he remained so for at least 14 years before he became a Jew. Justification by faith alone was actually a Gentile doctrine before it was a Jewish doctrine. Jews of the New Testament day were convinced that circumcision was not only uh, used to designate them physically as, as God's chosen people, but they were also convinced that circumcision was the actual means by which they became uh, acceptable to God. So they believed that circumcision was a means to be, being made right with God. Many Jews believed that their eternal security with God was dependence on circumcision. Listen to what an apocryphal book uh, how it describes circumcision. It says, Everyone that is born, the flesh of those whose foreskin is not circumcised on the eighth day, belongs not to the children of the covenants, for he belongs to the children of destruction. There is no sign on him that he is the Lord's, but he is destined to be destroyed and slain from the earth. That's the mindset of, of many of the Jews of Paul's day. And because that misunderstanding was, was so prevalent, some of them even attempted to carry that, those kinds of thoughts over into Christianity. In fact, an entire council of apostles and elders was called in, into Jerusalem, recorded for us in Acts chapter 15, to, to discuss this matter, to make a decision about this matter. And despite that council's declaration that justification is an act of God's grace, some Jews still argued that circumcision must surely be essential for salvation. Otherwise, they would argue, why would God ever have given it as a sign? So Paul wanted to make sure, he's writing here to make sure that both Jews and Gentiles, to, to make sure that both groups that, that he was writing to in Rome understood that neither circumcision nor any other ceremony would bring salvation to anyone. Not even Abraham. And by outlining Abraham's timeline, Paul concludes that circumcision had saved no Jew. Circumcision had saved no Gentile ever. So being justified by faith alone is independent of any human works. The apostle taught the same truths to the church in Galatia as recorded in chapters 3 and 5. We, we read some of that this morning. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God justifies independently of circumcision or of any other human action on our parts. Circumcision does not justify anyone. Baptism does not justify anyone. The Lord's table does not justify anyone. God is the only one who can justify a human being. And that comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ. So, hear the warning. Heed the warning. The person who trusts in the powers of bathing in a river, in circumcision, in holy waters, in mass, or in any other good work, that person nullifies the work of Christ on their behalf. The fact that we were born into a Christian family is not what saves us. Being baptized does not save us. Being religious does not save us. Being modest in our fashions, in our apparel, in our choices of clothing, it does not save us. Donating lots of money to charity does not save us. Random acts of kindness do not justify us. 
Only God can justify us. We are saved the same way that Abraham was saved, by faith alone. Justification by faith alone is a blessing because it is independent of our works, our good works and of our evil works. God justifies by faith alone. Christian, check your heart this morning. What are you leaning on? What have you, what action have you taken? What human efforts have you exerted? What tradition have you followed that you are trusting in to earn you favor, to earn you kindness with God? Ask God to reveal those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of ideas to your own heart and to your mind. And when he does reveal them to you, when he does convict you of that, repent, turn away, and again, focus your heart and your mind, your faith on what Christ has done for you. Christian, when you contemplate this beautiful truth, this joyous doctrine that God has justified you independently and in spite of your human actions, you're called, you're moved to worship. So sing and clap and dance and cheer and pray or simply be silent. But respond to the glory, to the beauty of this doctrine with a deepened worship for what God has done for you. If you're not yet a Christian, if you've not yet been born again, you don't have spiritual life. See, understand the futility of, of trying to earn your way to God. See the futility of, of any other means apart from Jesus. Repent of your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You are invited to trust in Jesus. He alone is the way to God. If you have questions about what it means to be born again, if you've never yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ, we invite you. Talk with someone after service. Talk with me after service or give me a call this week. We would love to show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The blessing of justification by faith alone, it confirms our position with God. It fuels our worship of God. And it sweetens our pilgrimage towards God. The blessing of its availability the blessing of its independence. Thirdly, the blessing of sealing and signs. Signs point us towards something, right? We see a sign and we recognize what's coming up. 25 years ago, last Wednesday, I popped the question. I got down on one knee. I looked deep into Tara's eyes and I asked her a question. I said, do you realize how good of a deal it would be if you married me. Just kidding. The needle was closer to the other side, like towards begging, would you please marry me? After she agreed, I put a rock on her finger as a sign. At that time, when she received that rock, that diamond ring, it was a sign that pointed towards December the 14th, 1996. Since December the 14th, 1996, she still wears that diamond ring, and that is a sign, and it points back towards the date that we were joined in marriage. The date that it was a sign of the covenant that we entered into by God's grace and will keep 
until death parts us. A sign points to something different and greater than itself. Look again at verse 11. Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So he received that before he was circumcised. Why? That he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be counted to them as well. God had made a covenant with Abraham. He wasn't the first one that had a covenant. God had made a covenant with Noah as well. And we still think about that covenant today when we see a rainbow. The circumcision for for Abraham was a sign of the promise of justification by, by faith alone. Now, a sign doesn't confer what it points to. A rainbow doesn't stop the flood from happening. A diamond ring doesn't legally marry two people. And circumcision does not justify. The significance of Abraham's circumcision was that it was a sign. It was pointing towards something. Every time that circumcision was performed, God's people were to be be reminded that God had justified Abraham by faith alone, completely independent of this tradition, this ceremony. Circumcision points to the covenants that God made with Abraham, and through him all the nations of of the earth would be blessed. We have similar signs today, don't we? We have two ordinances that that God has given to the New Testament church that serve as signs. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper points us back to the happenings of the incarnation and its culmination at the cross. Baptism is a sign that points to the new covenant. Baptism is where we identify with Jesus that we were buried with him in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Romans 6 6 tells us that if we are united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism is it's a verbal, it's a, it's a verbal testimony, it's a, it's a public testimony that we belong to Jesus. These signs remind us that we are Christ's. These signs point to all the promises that have been made and have been kept in this new covenant. Friends, the memory of baptism can be a tool that God uses to reassure his children that they are struggling as they are struggling in their faith. This was true of the reformer, Martin, uh, Martin Luther. He struggled after his, his great deeds that he's known for. He struggled with remembering his status with God, even towards the end of his, of his life. But he would often be comforted. He would often be assured, even preaching to himself about his standing before God as he contemplated his own baptism and identifying with his Savior. Christian, God has given us these ordinances for our good, to provide assurance and hope and help as we remember all that he has done for us, chiefly that he has justified us by faith alone. If you are interested in taking that step of obedience as a Christ follower, uh, of of someone who has been born again in the waters of baptism, talk with us and we'd be glad to, to share more with you about that. But we are not pointed to our our status with with God because of of things that we have done. Paul tells us that that we are not only pointed to God through these ordinances and through signs, but that we are pointed and that we are sealed by God. There is a seal of the righteousness that Abraham had while he was still uncircumcised. We read in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. It's God's indelible mark upon us. 
So our justification is sealed not by a priest. It's not sealed by a good work which we have done. It's sealed by God himself. The Holy Spirit seals us, seals God's promise of our, of our ultimate redemption and the inheritance of our, ours that is going to be for us in glory. It's a sealed deal. That's the beauty of the gospel. Christian, comforts one another with this truth. Remind one another of God's kindness to seal us to himself and that he gives us these signs to point us back to what he has done for us through his son Jesus. The blessing of justification by faith alone, it confirms our position with God. The blessing of justification by faith alone, it fuels our worship for God and it sweetens our pilgrimage towards God. So justification by faith alone is a blessing because it's available, because it's independent of our own works, because of the signs and the, and the sealing that God has, has accompanied it with. Fourthly, it's also a blessing because of the pilgrimage that it puts us on. It puts us on a journey. Our brother Elvin Hershey, his pilgrimage has ended. His journey was some 93 years long. But now he has gone to be with the Lord. Almost every conversation I've had with Elvin over the last few years, has, he has included a reminder from him to me that he was ready to go be with the Lord. That he wasn't trusting in the things he had comp accomplished in nine decades of life, but that his faith was resting in Jesus. That he was trusting in what Jesus has done on his behalf. So yesterday morning, he finished his pilgrimage towards God. Look at verse 11 again, one final time with me. Paul says that Abraham received a sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness of faith, which he had when he was uncircumcised. Why? That he might be the father of them that believe, though they not be circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of the circumcised to, to them who are not, of, not only circumcised, but who also walk in the, in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had before he was circumcised. Racially, Abraham was the father of all the Jews. But spiritually, Abraham was the father of both believing Gentiles who believe without being circumcised and of believing Jews who were circumcised. Both groups are counted by God as being righteous because their faith was in Jesus Christ. But Abraham was the leading example of someone who was justified by faith alone. That doesn't mean that people like Abel or Enoch or Noah who came before Abraham were justified in a different way. It's just that God waited until Abraham to make a formal declaration of how he justifies a human being. Succinctly summarized, our friend James Montgomery Boyce says it this way. If you are a Jew and are saved, it is not because you are a Jew. It is because of the work of Jesus Christ. If you are a Gentile and are saved, it is not because of anything you are or have done as a Gentile. It is because of the work of Jesus Christ. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Mary, Joseph, Anna, Simeon, John the Baptist, Christ's closest disciples, all of these of Jewish descent were justified by faith. But what about the Gentiles? People like Caleb 
and Rahab and Ruth? What about the wise men who came to worship Jesus? The Syrophoenician woman, the centurion, the woman of Samaria, the Ethiopian eunuch, Lucius of Cyrene, Titus. Paul speaks of, of people like Apollos and Philemon, Gaius, Onesimus. Uncircumcised Gentiles. Yet Paul tells us here in Romans, yet Abraham became their father also, since he is the father of all who believe, but who have not yet been circumcised. Friends, Paul is telling us that if our faith is in Jesus, we are in this together, Jew or Gentile. Here it goes, Democrat or Republican or Independent. People who wear masks or people who don't. Americans, Koreans, Germans, Africans, and whoever else has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Those people that God has justified are on a pilgrimage toward God, and we are on it together with them. Abraham is the father of all who are justified by faith alone. Paul instructed kind of the other side of the coin when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. And he says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, Therefore, remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh with hands. Remember at that time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... Christ, but now, through Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility." And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Christian, when we consider passages like Ephesians chapter 2, where he's talking directly to Gentiles, or when he's talking to Jews and Gentiles in Romans chapter 4, there's a call to repentance when we see these kinds of passages. We must not ignore that call this morning. Any kind of spirit of, of entitlement, any looking down on others, any thinking that we have the inside track because of whatever reason, we are called from these passages to utterly forsake that line of thinking. Harvest Bible Church, there are some ministry opportunities that require humility and action and obedience and service. Harvest Bible Church, we're on the same team. We're, we're, we're on the winning team as we, as we read Revelation. And, that, and, and let's be careful in our conversations. Let's be careful in our, in our online comments. Let's be careful about our heart attitudes and in our expectations not to draw lines that the Scriptures don't draw. Let's be careful not to sow discord. Let's be careful not to think that our church, that our traditions, that our whatever puts us one up on others 
who are children of Abraham, who have been justified by God Almighty. So let's lean into the body of Christ. Let's allow our connection groups to be a means of ministry where we encourage one another and we pray for one another and we hold one another accountable and we love one another, those who are much different than we are. Let's, as we take for our tagline from Philippians chapter 1, let's do well at striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're walking, Paul tells us, in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. And we're walking together on a pilgrimage towards God. There's a beautiful hymn that says it this way. O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep, sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above. There too in ocean fullness his mercy doth expand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. Oh, I am my beloved's, and my beloved's is mine. He brings a poor, vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merits. I know no other stand. Not even where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. That's the beauty of the gospel. We're on our way. We're in transit if you will. We are but pilgrims who have our eye on a goal. So I ask you, Christian, have your goals been skewed recently? Are you focused more on the temporal than the eternal? Are you passionate about the wrong things? Are you passionate about something on this earth instead of where you're headed? Let's not get caught up with the cares and the concerns of this world. We're only pilgrims. We're in transit. We're headed somewhere better. We're headed to someone better. You see, justification by faith alone, it sweetens our pilgrimage to God because we understand that we're not traveling alone and that God has given us help in the journey. And he hasn't just given us any old help. He's given us the help that Jesus died for. He's given us help from the people that Jesus purchased by the, by the shedding of his own blood. So look around you, Harvest Bible Church. All these church members, regardless of the differences that they have with you, they are also children of Abraham that are God's means to helping you in this pilgrimage towards God. The blessing of justification by faith alone, it confirms our position with God. It fuels our worship of God. And it sweetens our pilgrimage towards God. Do you see it, Christian? We are depraved sinners. Nothing we could do would justify ourselves. But God has justified us. If you are in Christ, God has justified you. God has given you signs to remind you of that justification. God has sealed you. He has sealed that justification through His Spirit. God has put you into a huge group that, that goes beyond Harvest Bible Church, of course. He's put you into a huge group of the church, a group of pilgrims to help you along on that journey to see God. Harvest Bible Church, there is hope for us today. There is hope as we encounter national turmoil. There is hope in the face of grieving the loss of a loved one. There is hope through the consequences of our sinful choices. There is hope to endure disease and virus. There is hope for the soul that is discouraged 
beyond all measure. In fact, for the child of God, Jew or Gentile, there is hope at every turn and with every single step of the Christian journey. And that hope doesn't come through baptism. That hope doesn't come through our participation at the Lord's table or through some ritual-like circumcision, through a Christian heritage or through any good works that we can, can, can do, that we can accomplish on our own. The hope for every step of your journey comes through none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, the one who created us. Jesus, the one who was promised to us way back in the Garden of Eden. Jesus, the one who came in flesh to be with us. Jesus, the one who perfectly fulfilled the law for us. Jesus, the one who appeased God's anger for our sin. Jesus, the one who was closer to us than a brother. Jesus, who rose victorious from the grave. Jesus, who even right now is living to make intercession for us. Jesus, the one who has promised that he will come again for us and take us to be with him for all of eternity. Jesus, he's the one that gives us hope. That's Jesus, that one, that Christ, that Lord. He is the resting place of all of our faith. So this week, love Jesus. This week, speak of Jesus. This week, follow Jesus. This week, worship Jesus. This week, pursue Jesus. Praise Jesus. Obey Jesus. Love what Jesus loves. And may the God of Abraham, Grace Harvest Bible Church of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, with continual reminders of our position with God so that we may respond with a deepened worship for God as we journey together towards God. Let's bow our heads for prayer.